we're talking about today, we're talking about seeing the way God sees, and uh, it, it's so important. In fact, this is part two of heavenly perspective. You know, when we can see the way God sees, when we can see the world through his eyes, uh, I got to yesterday, my wife and I um, went up to Thornton, actually Todd Creek Golf, uh, it was a country club there, where we did a, a memorial service for a very good friend of mine that used to be part of this church and then moved to California. His mother passed away. We did a memorial service there. And uh, it was really a different kind of memorial service because there was wine and cheese and all kinds of stuff and, and uh, very relaxed. And I knew there were a lot of people there that didn't know Christ. And so, man, I had an awesome time. Uh, I got to bring the gospel in, in a great way. I said, you know, Jesus would have been really comfortable here because he turned the water to wine. So he would have really enjoyed this party. And uh, it was really, a, you know, a different, it wasn't a somber type of funeral. It was really uh, an uplifting time. And uh, anyway, it, it's so amazing because I saw these people, and I knew a lot of them were not saved. And so I got to bring the gospel in a way that was, you know, that they could receive it, uh, not in a religious way, and, uh, you know, in a relational way and how important that relationship is with Jesus. And so I love those opportunities. I love those opportunities. But we've got to see the world the way God does. Because the truth is, uh, and you'll notice in your notes, when God looks upon the people of the earth, what does he see? Well, a lot of people think that he sees, that he's kind of upset because he sees sin and he sees, you know, uh, all these horrible things when he looks down. And he just just gets so frustrated, and he's angry, and he's, he's just waiting to bring judgment, and just waiting to get even with these people that they would just get it together, you know? But I just want to tell you that uh, when you see the world that way, then you'll have that same attitude. And that's not the way God sees it. Now, <laughs> a lot of people see it through Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, uh, you know, you know the story. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, uh, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of thoughts of the human heart was only evil at all times. And God decided he was going to wipe everybody out. And uh, however, Moses, I mean, not Moses, uh, Noah had favor and his family had favor. So they were rescued and they rescued the animals. Anyway, long story short, uh, uh, after that flood, if you remember, there was something in the sky. Do you know what it was? It was a rainbow. And that rainbow was a covenant promise that God would never do this ever again. And here's the thing I want you to say. Now, you probably heard people say, well, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you ever heard that? I just want you to know something. That's looking through Old Testament eyes and not through the New Covenant eyes because God sent Jesus his son. And in that, we also know that God is love. And he sent Jesus and it changed everything. Because Jesus took the sins of the world upon himself. He took the wrath of God upon himself. He took everything so that we could be free, we could have a relationship with him, and that we could walk in that kind of love. And it's so sad because when you look at people in, in a condemning way, in a judgmental way, instead of through those eyes of love, you'll be able to reach those people. You know, I traveled to Pakistan with Lay Pedlin. He's known as the Apostle of Love. He's been going there 20 years. And, and it's the incredible love is what draws those Muslim people to Christ. It's not condemnation. It's not like you're going to hell without Jesus. It's not any of that. It's drawing people. Actually, the scripture says it's the goodness of God. It's the goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the goodness. It's not the condemning. And, and I don't know why it is, but so many Christians want to condemn people and, and they want to say judgment. When Katrina happened, people said, well, that's the judgment of God. And you know what? It's so sad. When you build a city that's way below sea level and it's right on the coast where storms hit, guess what? You may have a catastrophic thing happen. That's not because of God's judgment. In fact, if God was judging, he was a bad shot <clears throat> because a lot of the areas. <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of the areas where there were Christians were hit, was hit hard, and some of the most really horrible areas, the, the most evil areas, they were untouched. So the truth is that that wasn't God's judgment, 
And when people yell those voices out, the people that are struggling, it makes them feel even more under condemnation. And I just want you to say that Jesus changed everything. Say, Jesus changed everything. And I'm so thankful. Man, I am so thankful as well. You know what? Um, now, let, let me just say one other thing. Sometimes people do dumb things and bad things happen. But that's not God's judgment. That's just the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says this. It says, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. So if you do something dumb, you're going to have, you know, you're going to experience something bad. Uh, if you sow to the spirit, you're going to experience something what? Something good. Something good. So it's important to know that there's a law of sowing and reaping, but that's not God's judgment. Because God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent his only son, to die on a cross for us. That was the demonstration, the greatest demonstration of love that the world has ever seen. Now, I want you to uh, look with me. Uh, you know, John 3.16, I'm sure you could all quote it. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who served, believed in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we see it at football games. We always see John 3.16 in the end zone when somebody's kicking a field goal or an extra point. And, uh, but, but I want to read this from the Message Bible. I want to read John 3, 16 through 18. I have it in your notes. I want to read it from the Message Bible because Eugene Peterson, I believe, really captures the heart. Now, sometimes the message is right on. Sometimes it's <laughs> over the top, you know. It's, it's, uh, but, but I love it here because it captures the very heart of God. And uh, it says this. Uh, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. So the truth is he provided a way that there doesn't have to be destruction in a person's life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. And isn't it funny how many Christians point that accusing finger and say how bad things are. He came to help to put the world right again. And we live in a fallen world, and there's bad things here, but thank God for Jesus, amen? Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Now, this is why it's so important. You know what? There's so many people that I can't reach that you have contact with. You have contact with in your, in your communities, in your workplace, in your, you know, where you shop, where, you know, where, wherever you go, where you play, where your kids play soccer. I mean, you have so much contact with those people. And you see, we are the ones that carry the hope. We carry the love. We carry, but we've got to see them through God's eyes. You know, sometimes Christians get real frustrated at people that doing, you know, doing things that are not good but they're not believers. They don't know Jesus. Think of all the dumb things you did before you became a believer. Amen? Yeah. I only heard two amens, so I, I, I know there's more than that. But, but I don't know about you, but I did a whole lot of dumb things before I knew Jesus. And I remember some Christians condemning me for it, you know, and I, and, you know but I didn't know him, you know. And so it's so important that we really see through his eyes. It's so important that we love through his heart. And uh, that's what he's called us to do. And so I just want to really encourage you. Now, um, God not only sent his son to die for us, 
And it's all about that relationship. I got to share that yesterday at that country club. And, and uh, man, it was neat because a lot of people came up to me after and said, wow, thank you, you know, for sharing that. And, you know, uh, a lot of people are turned off by religion and they turn away from Jesus because they were turned off by religion and because of the condemnation. You know, and I'll tell you, we, we got to change that. Amen. We got to show his love. Uh, we got to show his love. I mean, that's it. That's it, guys. And we can do it because he lives in us and he gets us to see through his eyes. Now, not only has he sent his son to show us how much he loved us, to redeem us, to set us free, and to bring that, you know, but he also, he has chosen us for adoption. Say adoption. Now, when some, a child is adopted, a special child that's gone through horrible circumstances usually, is adopted into a family, it brings hope. And I want you to know because you were adopted into the family of God. There's great hope for your life. No matter how much you've struggled, no matter what you've gone through, there's great hope because you're part of his family. Listen to Ephesians, 4, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 4 through 8. It says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Did you hear that? Even before, even before he made the earth. And so he already had this plan in mind and, uh, and so, and without fault in his eyes, you were without fault in his eyes. You said, yeah, but I made a lot of mistakes. So have we all. But he sees this through the filter of Jesus Christ if you've received him as your Lord and Savior. Also, you know, it goes on to say, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. And that is what he wanted to do. And, he, and it gave him great pleasure so we praise God for the glorious grace. There's that word grace. Thank God we need grace. He has poured out on us uh, who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. You know, I don't know about you, but I needed grace before I got saved. And there were some situations that I had in my life that, where his grace was there to help me, even though I was making some bad decisions. And how many of you know we, need, we all needed grace to get saved, amen? But how many of you know we need grace after we get saved? I mean, we really do. I had a situation just recently. I was late for an appointment at the church. I hate to be late. Uh, you know, I don't want to keep people waiting. I, and so uh, I was on coach line, and the guy in front of me was going so slow. I mean, he was way under the speed limit. And so I thought, man, I got to pass this guy. So I pulled out in the wrong zone. I shouldn't have. I stepped on it because uh, I was going to turn left, take the shortcut to the church. Anyway, I, I pulled out, and guess what? And I saw the cop coming this way. He turned around, did a U-turn quickly. I pulled over. Man, I was dead in the water. I mean, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I am guilty, guilty, guilty. But how many know in times like that you cry out for the grace of God? <laughs> Man, I was crying out for the grace. I said, I don't want justice here, Lord. I just want grace. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, now I'm going to really be late for, for my appointment. And uh, he comes up to the car, and he goes, oh, aren't you the lead pastor at The Rock? <laughs> I felt like, yeah, and I'm setting a great example for my congregation. <laughs> I go, yeah, I am. He goes, you know what? I'm going to be speaking to your mops group in a, in, in a couple of weeks. Yes. <laughs> he said, you know what? 
and he hands me back my license. He goes, slow down, will you? I go, you better believe I will. <laughs> Thank you for having grace and mercy on me. So anyway, we need grace and mercy, right? Amen? And, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to tell you, but I still need it. And, uh, <laughs> but we all need it. And so thank God for his grace, and thank God I didn't get a ticket, and thank God I wasn't that late for my appointment. Anyway, okay, so I don't know how I got into that. I wasn't going to tell that story, but anyway. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to Roman numeral four. Roman numeral four says this. We are God's ambassadors to change the world. Say ambassadors. Now, here's the deal. What kind of an ambassador are you? Are you an ambassador of condemnation and guilt and shame? Are you an ambassador of grace, mercy, and love? You see, because what changes the world is the grace and the mercy and the love. Uh, I get to go minister. We have a homeless ministry here where we minister the fourth, the fourth uh, Saturday of, of each, each uh, month. And I love going down there. And, you know, when I'm down there with, with the homeless, I'm not Pastor JR, man. I'm just JR. And I get to, I get to just... I just get to be with them and just, just love them and, and, you know, and, and just, you know, I just feel so much compassion. I feel God's compassion. Now, some of them are really doing some dumb things. Some of them are doing drugs that are messing them up. Some of them are drinking too much alcohol. Some of them are just, I mean, they're just doing dumb things. But you know what I sense? I don't feel God being really just disgusted with them. I feel God's love for them. And, you know, that's what changes people. It's that love, but we've got to see with his eyes. We've got to let him move on our heart. And, uh, and so it's so important because we are his ambassadors to change the world. And, man, we're his ambassadors of love. And it's so, so important because God's not fed up and angry with these people. Jesus died for them, and he wants them to come into the kingdom. And he wants them to be set free. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20 says this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now, reconciling is a huge word. We don't use that. Did you get reconciled yesterday? And that's just not a word we use. But reconcile means to make things right. Now, think about that. So, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer, here's the part I want you to hear, no longer counting people's sins against them. Man. So, he no longer counts those sins against them, but people don't know that. And so many people are under condemnation and under shame and, under, and, and, and sometimes Christians heaping on even more. And so it's so important that, you know, we recognize how we've got to see people through his eyes, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's making it through you. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You see, we have these incredible opportunities. We have these incredible opportunities to really, really, really make a difference. We have these incredible opportunities, divine appointments that sometimes we're not even aware of, where we might just be with somebody and all of a sudden, you know, on an airplane or just, you know, in, in line, in the grocery line, and the Holy Spirit directs us. See, the neat thing is we've got the Holy Spirit in us, not only to help us love, but also to help direct us and guide us and give us the ability to really make a difference. So we're his ambassadors. 
You know, and ambassadors are sent to represent. The, you know, an ambassador from a country is to represent that country. An ambassador for Christ is to represent Jesus Christ. Amen? So how important is it that we see with his eyes, that we feel with his heart? And that's my heart for you. <clears throat> you know, we have so many, so many opportunities to help people. We have things that, you know, we have a compassion fund here that, you know, we're able to help so many people that are struggling. Um, there was a couple, their electricity and everything was going to be turned off. They, you know, they attend here and things were going downhill. They were so depressed. We were able to, we were able to help them. Uh, we have the A-team. Many of you don't know about the A-team, but the A-team are uh, basically people that go in and they'll move like an elderly couple or they'll move a single mom. Or, and I remember uh, it was several, several years ago, but uh, the A-team went in and uh, this, this, this mom, single mom with two kids, her husband was in prison. Uh, they went in, uh, they, you know, they actually broke up concrete. I mean, they did all this work. She came to church on Sunday, and she gave her life to Jesus. In fact, I saw her out in the foyer after the, after the 9 o'clock service, uh, you know, and she gave her life to Jesus, and I thought it was my incredible preaching that had brought her to the Lord. <laughs> and then I heard that she was so blown away by what these, what these men had done, what these people had done to help her, that she gave her life to Jesus. And I was so excited. See, you, you never know the impact you're having, but you're having a tremendous impact. We have a lot of things going on. Now, our son is in China on a mission trip there, and uh, he was going to share this morning about what's happening locally because there's some amazing things that have happened, some breakthroughs we've never seen before. So I'm going to let him tell you via, uh, via uh, a video, not satellite. Well, good morning, Rock family. How are you this morning? Uh, this is Mike Palhemus, and... Uh, I'm sorry I can't be with you this morning, but I'm actually over in China right now. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about the local outreach and missions here in the Castle Rock area. And so I'm just gonna spend a few minutes updating you on what's going on in this area um, while I'm over in China. So first of all, I wanna say we've had an amazing year. This year uh, has been a great year as we've been able to partner with Douglas County Human Services. Uh, I met Dan McColkey uh, around the end of last year and uh, it was an amazing opportunity. We were able to connect and formed a partnership and we are now working with a lot of the churches in the area, a lot of the businesses in the area, the nonprofit organizations, um, and the schools on doing a number of things. In February, we kicked things off with a big meeting. Uh, we then had a meeting in um, April and then another one in June and another one in September, followed by some other specific meetings. And it has been a, uh, just an amazing thing how God has just moved in this area and opened up doors for us uh, to begin to move into different, different things. And so um, just to update you, one of the things that we are doing, uh, foster care, that was the number one need for Douglas County. And actually, um, after we, we met as a Douglas County collaboration, in the Douglas County collaboration meeting, we were able to knock out that number one need, not just with our church, but with a number of churches in the area and that's the great part about this it's not it's not one church working to try to solve all the problems of Castle Rock and the Douglas County area but it's it's connecting and unifying together with all the churches and so so we have been able to do that um, we have uh, foster care now is no longer a need in Douglas County although it probably will be uh, as as the needs continue to grow and so we'll 
keep that on the radar. Uh, we're also focusing on teen suicides uh, in this area, and so we now have a teen suicide task prevention task force uh, that is in place. In addition to that, uh, we've had a large focus on homelessness and family poverty in this area and looking at ways where we can actually make a tangible difference and transform this city. And so we have been able to do uh, some great things on that front as well. We're looking at uh, a, uh, a food bank that we can do th uh, with, with the different um, churches together, working together, and also a, uh, a winter um, outreach uh, or a winter shelter, uh, emergency winter shelter. And so we're looking at the emergency winter shelter as well as something that we can do for the homeless to bring in the homeless during the cold uh, nights uh, during the winter. One of the other things we're doing is we are uh, doing a Thanksgiving outreach to this area. We're going to have Thanksgiving dinner at the church on Thursday at 12 o'clock. And uh, along with that, we're going to be doing an outreach to the community to bring people in uh, that don't have the opportunity to have a Thanksgiving meal. And so um, if, you have the, if you have a chance, we'd love to see you here. If you can help out, um, we would absolutely love your help. Um, also, we're going to be doing Thanksgiving uh, boxes for those uh, families that do not have the opportunity to have a Thanksgiving meal in their home. And so with that, we're going to be uh, bringing in turkeys. We're going to be bringing in uh, other food and putting together boxes that we can send out uh, for Thanksgiving meals for those families in need. Uh, so another great opportunity. But there are a lot of ways uh, for you guys to, to get connected and to get involved in the things going on right here. You know, in, in Matthew 28, um, Jesus says to go out in all the world and he's talking about the Great Commission but you know that Great Commission actually starts right here in our backyard so we have to not only meet the needs of the nation we also of the nations we also need to meet the needs of the people right here in our backyard so I just want to say you guys are already doing an amazing job let's keep up the good work God bless you guys love you and I'll see you in a few weeks when I get back from China By the way, just so you know, we're going to have buckets at the back of the doors. Everything that goes in those buckets will go into missions to really make a difference because we're making a difference, but we even want to make more of a difference. So you can make checks out to The Rock or you can use the credit card forms in there. Uh, by the way, some of you know and some of you don't know, um, this is Alan Hunt, and Alan Hunt has been our missions director now for two years, and uh, he's also uh, works with World Orphans, uh, which is based out of Castle Rock. But um, I, I just I thank God for him because he's been... Such a blessing, and he really understands the details. I'm not a detail guy. He's gonna share with you some of the opportunities because we want you to be involved to change the world because we can't do it, just the two of us or just the five of us or just the 10 of us. We need everybody in, in the picture. So, Alan Hunt, give him a hand, would you? Thank you. Thank you, JR. Isn't it cool to be part of a church that is truly being the feet and hands of Jesus and doing so much in the community? right here in Castle Rock and on the Front Range. This is a cool church, and that's why I'm here, because when I came here, I, I, I got the opportunity to understand the heart, number one, of J.R., and you know how mission-minded he is. This guy has been all over the world, and he's, he's, uh, he's all about missions, and uh, that's just exciting to me. You know, when I started here uh, two years ago, I really wanted to get a, a good understanding of kind of where the rock was uh, when it came to missions. So I met with all the, most all, the pastors that were on staff. 
at that time. And I just asked him a, a quick question. I, I said, give me your impression. When you think of missions at the rock, tell me what you think. And I got a, a lot of different type of answers, but there was a common theme, a kind of a common thread. Well, we know we do missions and we, we hear about mission trips and we don't really understand kind of where they're going, who they're working with or what they're doing. And then after a trip goes, we don't hear much about it afterwards. Well, that, that's our fault. We weren't communicating to you what was going on in missions. So I'm making a commitment to you on behalf of the missions leadership team and as your missions pastor that we're going to do a better job of communicating to you what's going on in missions here at The Rock because this is a dynamic missional church. Something that I forgot to mention at the, in the first service is that we have created a real simple, as Ryan told you, we're going to be praying for our missionaries uh, every Sunday, but I created a list of our 26 different missionaries that we support with a, a little brief description of what they do in the country where they are. And we've got copies of those back there on the tables in the atrium, so be sure and pick one up. Stick it up on your refrigerator and remember to pray as a family for our missionaries. So, in the heart of better communication, you probably heard over the last few weeks, we sent two teams out, short-term teams, one to Haiti and one to India. Well, both teams are back, and they had tremendous trips and a lot of fruit. Now, we can't tell you everything that happened on those trips, but we want to give you a little bit of a trip report about what happened. So we've got a couple of short videos that I want to show you for both teams. Now, a lot of the people that went on those trips are going to be in the atrium after this church service. And if you want to know more, you want to hear more stories, really cool stories, go out there and connect with them in the atrium afterwards. But let's run those two videos now, and we'll show you a, a little short snapshot of what happened in Haiti and in India. My apology to Pastor Ray. She's sitting here on the front row, and her, the one photo I had in the video of her, it's sideways. Now look down here, and she's going like this. <laughs> I'm going to have to fire my video guy. Oh, wait, it was me. <laughs> Well, as you can see by the, the photos from these two trips, being on the mission field, being part of a short-term team is so much fun. And I think every one of these team members would tell you that it's a life-changing experience. You will absolutely see the world with a new pair of eyes. Once you get out of this little, this little bubble of Castle Rock and this really cushy lifestyle that we lead here in Castle Rock and see the rest of the world, you will definitely have a different view of the world, of how the rest of the world lives. So JR asked me to come up here and speak to you this morning about the heart of missions here at The Rock. And you've heard us talk about our Acts 1-8 model where Castle Rock is our Jerusalem and then we reach out to the ends of the, ends of the world. But we actually have a two-pronged focus of missions here at The Rock. It's something that JR established about 20 years ago. And those two focuses, those two strategic things that we focused on are the unreached, those who don't know Christ and need and definitely need Jesus, a lost and dying word, world that needs to know about Jesus Christ. And then the second is children at risk. 
Children at risk includes orphans, children living in extreme poverty, anything that places a child in a risky situation to where they're not going to be safe and be able to grow up as a healthy adult. All the refugees that are streaming across the Middle East right now, all those families, those children in those families are considered to be children at risk. So that's our two focus groups. And that's the heart of missions here at The Rock. But it goes beyond that. And I think to kind of help you understand more about the heart of missions at The Rock, I want to share with you a little bit about my heart journey that God has taken me on with over the last 15 years. I came out of a corporate background. I worked in the auto parts industry for about 30 years. And I went on my first mission trip in about the year 2000. I went to Cuba. And uh, it was a really cool trip. I was really excited to get to go to Cuba. Uh, going to a communist-controlled country was going to be a unique experience. So we get to the, we were actually, we had packed a ton of Spanish Bibles and little Spanish tracts that would share the gospel. And we were smuggling those in in our luggage. And one of the team members got uh, pulled over to one side, and they confiscated their bag, and it had a bunch of the Spanish tracts and Bibles in it. And we were, I was upset, and I was, you know, gosh darn, we brought all those tracts. We wanted them to share them with a little church, a little house church that we were going to be working with, and now they got taken away from us. But before we left the airport, we looked, and the airport workers, the baggage handlers, and some of the service people at the airport were leaning up against the walls, and they were reading those tracts and those Bibles. I went, oh, you meant for that bag to stay right here. So God was at work. So we were going, doing, working with this little home church, little house church, and we were doing door-to-door -door evangelism. We would go with a translator and a, and, a, and a church member, and we would go and visit different family homes in the community. And uh, we visited this one lady, and her brother was who I got to share the gospel with. Now, he had just come out of prison. He had been in a Cuban prison for seven or eight years and had just gotten out. And he was living with her. She was a member of the church, and she said, please talk, come talk to my brother. When we got there, he was in the back of the house. He didn't even want to come out. And she finally convinced him to come out and sit and, uh, and meet with us. And I'm telling you, this is one of the hardest-looking men I've ever seen in my life. He had deep, deep creases in his face, and, and his eyes were just dark. And, and you could tell he was just angry, and he was just deeply troubled. But I was able to talk to him through a translator and spend some time with him and express love to him. And eventually I worked into where I shared the gospel with him and talked to him about how much Jesus loved him. And despite his mistakes, that Jesus still had a plan for the rest of his life. And he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. And amazingly, physically, I saw lines disappear from his face. And I saw his eyes. I saw him soften. And all of a sudden, there was light in those eyes. And to see the power of the gospel the transformational power that Jesus has 
when somebody puts their trust in him is just absolutely amazing. And God opened my heart to really wanting to share with the unreached. And I just had a passion for that. I got to, an opportunity to share with a, uh, another uh, man. In fact, <clears throat> one of our team members had been to his house the day before, met with his sister and uh, his wife and uh, his sister-in-law. And they encouraged us to come back the next day, but they said, you need to come back with a man who can share to, uh, with our brother and our, our husband. And uh, when we got there, I found out that he had just recently been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he was actually a retired uh, member of the, of the military. He was in the, uh, Castro's army and was kind of a high-ranking officer. So he had always been an atheist, didn't even believe in God. And I didn't know until after I talked to him that he had been diagnosed with, with cancer. But when I was sharing the gospel with him, for some reason, and I'd never used cancer as an illustration for sin when I was talking about the gospel, but boy, when I mentioned that sin was like a cancer in our body that Christ could heal, he just broke down and wept. And he prayed to receive Christ and came to the church before we left that week. So once again, the power of the gospel, it just, it just moved me and it just touched my heart. So I came back from my <clears throat> short-term mission trip in Cuba, and I told uh, my missions pastor down at a church in Texas where I was a member of, I said, man, that was awesome. I want to see the power of the gospel in a whole bunch of different countries, different people groups, different cultures, different languages. What does that make me, the short-term missionary vacation guy? And he said, no, it makes you kind of unique. He says, you have global perspective. He says, typically, when people go on a short-term trip, they want to go back to the same place over and over again. It's familiar. They establish relationships. They kind of know what's going to happen on the second and third trip. But it's kind of unique when someone wants to take the gospel and go to the nations. Well, that was my heart. I just felt drawn to that. So he encouraged me. He said, well, listen, I want you to go through some additional preparation and some training. And I took the course perspectives. We have the course perspectives here. We've got a lot of great training opportunities here. The YWAM group, uh, Dave Gustafsson, is putting on a DTC again this next spring. So there's great training for missions here available at The Rock. But anyway, I went through the training. And over the next several years, I felt like I was going through a time of preparation and I really felt God's call for me to leave my corporate position and go into full-time vocational ministry. Now, that's, that's not the call that everybody receives because there are lots of opportunity to be involved in ministry and still be in a teaching job or a businessman or whatever, a, a homemaker, a mom. There's great opportunities. You don't have to leave your job and go into full-time ministry to be involved in missions. But that was part of my heart journey. And that heart journey ended up leading me to where I was volunteering with a couple of nonprofits. So it became my apprenticeship for learning the nonprofit world. Eventually, I landed on staff with World Orphans. And they're headquartered right here in Castle Rock, right on Jury Street, right next door to Pegasus Restaurant. There's a little sign there that says World Orphans. 
So that led me to Castle Rock, and that led me here to the Rock. Well, when I got on staff with World Orphans, I started going on trips, and God continued that heart journey by breaking my heart for children at risk. And as the name would imply, it's a church-based orphan care ministry. I got to go to Rwanda on a trip, and one of the first young children, orphan children that I met was a young man who was six years old. His name was John Bosco. And John was, uh, had been taken in to a small family-style home that was built right on church property in Rwanda, in the southern province of Rwanda, Chigera. When John came into the home, uh, he was one of 20 children, and he was uh, HIV positive. So he, had, he obviously required some additional medical care. And I learned that John's, both his parents were deceased. They had both died of AIDS, and John contracted AIDS when he was born through the birth process from his mom. And he had been being cared for by a grandmother who was getting up in years and failing health and could no longer take care of him. So he was obviously a double orphan, high risk, and was taken in by the church to be cared for in the church home. John asked Pastor Ernest, the Rwandan pastor, he said, Pastor, am I going to die? Now imagine this little six-year-old boy. He thinks he's had a, a death warrant placed on him because he knows he has AIDS, and he knows his mom and dad died from AIDS. And Pastor Ernest, Ernest <clears throat> said, John, we're all going to die. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to live every day to the fullest because God has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for you, and he has a place for you, and he has big plans for your life. So... I got to see John again. Seven years later, John is 13 now, and he's a big, healthy young man. He is a leader amongst the 20 children being raised in that home. And he's also recognized as one of the best soccer football players in the region, and there's a, a, a touring team that goes and plays tournaments, and John is always uh, recruited to be on the, on the team. And John is also in the top five of his class. So this is a transformation that happened through the love of Jesus Christ expressed through a small Rwandan church and a Rwandan pastor who cares. And that transformation just broke my heart because I saw God loves and cares about these children at risk. I met another young man in Kenya, and his name was Robert. <clears throat> when I met him, he was uh, 22 years old. So he had been rescued off the streets of Nairobi at age 12, literally was a street kid begging at traffic lights, and had been taken into this home and had grown up, raised by the church, and then had become a young adult. When I met him, he had his own little manufacturing business. He was making sandals, and he had several employees. He had a small little kiosk where this was being accomplished, and the, the leaders from the church said, said that Robert still attends our church where he was raised. He tithes on a regular basis, and he's saving to expand his little uh, shoemaking, his sandal-making uh, business, and he's also engaged to be married. So once again, it's just an incredible story of God's heart for an at-risk child being transformed into a young, believing adult, serving in his church and being active in his community. So can you hear the, the parallel love story? 
The love story that God placed on JR's heart 20 years ago to care about the unreached and to care, care about children at risk. In fact, that's the, that's the last Roman numeral five on your outline there. I, I didn't forget it this time. <laughs> Is that God cares about each one of us, especially the lost and the orphaned. And he desires to help us in our struggles. And he expresses that so clearly in Scripture. In Psalms 10, 14, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So that's the heart of missions here at The Rock. Now I want to encourage you. Broncos don't start until 2.25. You've got time. We've got nine different ministries out there in the atrium. These are some great folks who have a lot of experience in missions and doing ministry. Some of them are right here locally, our inner city ministry. Our leader, Natasha, is out there. We'll talk to you. I'd like to encourage you to go out there and take time to meet with them. Turn to your neighbor. Say, you are an ambassador of Christ. All right, as ambassadors of Christ, we're called to action. And this church is a church of action. And the folks right out there in the atrium are the ones that possibly could help you find your place and your purpose. And if you can't find it out there, then I want you to encourage, uh, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. You can reach me by going to our website, go through ministries, and it's Missions at the Rock, and you'll find me, alanhattherock.org, or you can just email me, Missions at the Rock, and I'll get that email. I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and kind of go through and walk through and see what maybe God is calling you to serve. That would be my great pleasure to do so. Thank you. I love you all. Anyway, we want to activate you and empower you because this is the army that God's raising up. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? By the way, don't forget there's buckets in the back for missions. And it'll all go to missions and to really make a difference uh, in our local world and, in our, and around the world. So put your hands on your heart. And by the way, if you're here and you're not sure where you're headed, I'm going to just pray a simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Thank you that you died for me. And thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. And if I've been away from you, I'm coming back. In Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. Now, if, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, please let somebody, let one of the ministry teams. By the way, ministry teams, why don't you come right now? They're going to be here to pray with you in any area you'd like prayer for. Uh, they're here. Make sure you check out, you know, the thing. Anyway, put your hand on your heart again. We're going to do this. Ready? One more thing. Lord, please give me your heart and your eyes to see people the way you do, to see the world the way you do. Let me be your hands extended and your heart extended to change the world through me. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Let's make a difference. And remember, 
Two hours from now, go Broncos! <laughs>